Welcome to the Black Female Leader Podcast, guiding you to success in your life and biz. I'm your host, Marcia Felitas, the creator of MarciaFelitas.com. Hi, everyone. I'd love to welcome you to Elsie Johnson, who is the creator of Black Married and Hustling. She's a really inspiring entrepreneur who has done some really pivotal work. She's also also the author of Colored Girl Confidential. And I have her on our podcast today to talk about her speaking career that she's uh, launched in the last few years and has been doing really successfully. Thank you so much for, for being on the line, Elsie. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Tell us a little bit uh, more about uh, what you're doing with, with Black Married and Hustling. Sure. So, Marsha, thank you for the introduction. And um, complete disclaimer slash spoiler alert, um, I'm definitely in a point of transitioning with some different projects right now. So mm-hmm. really exciting stuff going on with my brand, especially with my project Black Marin Hustling. But to give you guys an overview, um, that's a web series that I've created that's all about going behind the scenes of my life as a passionpreneur, trying to create a business and life around my passions. Um, and the idea really just came from, first of all, my actual life experiences But really just this notion that uh, for the last few years, I've been out in the world trying to really cultivate um, a career around my passions and figuring out how to actually get paid to do what I love. Because while I have Mm -hmm. heard, oh, like, if you really love your work, like, you can do it for free. I'm over here like, but what about my student loans, though? But what about my cell phone bill, though? So while I believe (laughs) that it is possible to truly love your work and get lost in it, I also know realistically for many of us, um, we have financial obligations as well. And so this web series is all about going behind the scenes as I figure out how do I um, generate income around my passions and really talking to folks in a very real way and giving them um, a look kind of behind the curtains at what that looks like for me and not just kind of the good stuff that we hear about in articles like, yeah, five-figure launch, yeah, travel the world, but also those moments when like um, I live at home in my in-laws basement. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a larger story mm-hmm. around that that I'd be happy to share, but I'm really just talking authentically authentically about that experience in its entirety, uh, the trials as well as the triumphs. Yeah, definitely. There's, and, and that voice is really needed. Someone who's actually be able to, to speak authentically about what the entrepreneur experience is like. Um, I, I love it when people are, are, you know, able to be transparent to give some, you know, if someone wants to follow you, that they get an honest view of, of what that experience is going to look like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's scary to make yourself um, that vulnerable. But at the same time, it's Mm -hmm. also very freeing to be able to Mm -hmm. be so honest about your lived experiences and not have any shame in that. Right, right. There's definitely um, power and vulnerability, I think. Um, Absolutely. So one of the, you know, crucial parts of your of of your brand right now is, is this the speaking engagements that you've been a part of. So can you tell us a little bit about about how you launched your speaking career? Sure. I would love to share that. So um, it's really interesting, and it goes back. Marcia, you didn't even ask me this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Um, Do it. So <laughs> I started 
started speaking very much the same way I started in entrepreneurship. Um, I was kind of shoved in. It was not, I would love to tell a story of being like, yeah. And then like, it was just this like graceful, like wonderful moment. Um, but the reality of the situation is when I became an entrepreneur, it was because I got laid off from my job. Um, mm. And I really was looking for work that was fulfilling, but also um, facing the reality of a really hard job market um, and wanting to expand my own and create my own opportunities. And so that's really how I started as an entrepreneur. And I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. I didn't know much about blogging. And that's how I started um, to kind of make a name for myself is that I launched a blog called Color Girl Confidential um, and really grew a community and a following around that. And that kind of became my home base to experiment with different ways to generate income around my message and my passion and, and kind of what I was doing online. So about maybe a year or so into my income experiments, as I like to call them, I had done a course, <laughs> I did a live workshop, an online workshop, a uh, self-study, I published an ebook, And so I really was doing these various income experiments um, in my career, really trying to think about, okay, what are the different ways that I can be um, financially independent while doing this work? And so mm -hmm. it was really good. I was, I was doing some things very successfully. Um, um, and from the outside, I looked the part of a successful online entrepreneur. I was getting awards and I was, you know, having these like wonderful clients and I had really active like social media presences. Um, but internally or in my real life, I also struggled a lot with uh, feast or famine finances. So it was like, mm -hmm. oh, I would launch this project, but then okay, you know, after the launch is over, you know, I may not have, so I spent all this time building this thing and launching that I may not have energy to do something else for several more months. So um, it really was at a point where I was feeling really stressed financially and trying to think about, well, is there a way for me to have a larger ticket uh, project that I can be doing um, that can finance what I call those kind of creative periods when I'm not actively launching, when I'm not actively working with clients um, and I'm just creating because that's a huge part of my work. And so I was in the midst of thinking through all of this and trying not to eat nothing but ramen noodles for six months <laughs> um, when I got an email and the subject line of the email was motivational speaker wanted. Um, so I looked at this email, I was like, do they know who they email? Is this, is this to me? Um, you know that time when you like are talking <laughs> actually out loud to your computer, like your computer is going to answer you. And so I'm looking at this email and I'm like, is, did they send this to the right person? Um, because at that, at that point I had not ever advertised myself as a speaker. I had told my husband that I was interested in speaking. And so that just goes to show and that that was something that I wanted to start pursuing, which just goes to show you have to be careful what you put out there because God will provide um, right. And I kind of put that into the atmosphere. And sure enough, I got this email and it was from um, a young woman who's a reader of my blog. And she is a college student. And she told me, she was like, Elsie, my sorority is uh, hosting this event and we would really love for you to come speak. Um, and, and she and I had communicated. She, you know, I'd never met her before, but she had commented a couple times on my post and sent me an email or two. And so we kind of communicated back and forth a little bit. So I was a little bit familiar with her. Um, 
But she sent me this email and she was like, yeah, my sorority is hosting this event and we want to know if you can speak. She was like, do you speak? So in my head, I'm like, well, I know how to talk. So uh, yeah, sure, I speak. <laughs> um, like, so, exactly. I was like, you know, well, yeah, I know how to speak. I'm actually, some people would say I'm a little too proficient in that area. And so I got on the phone with her and I was like, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, this speaking event that you're thinking about. Uh, And she told me, well, you know, the event is a 60 minute event. Um, And she kind of outlined what it was that she wanted me to do, which was totally in my like area of expertise, um, my area of passion. And we got to the point where we were talking about budget. So I'd never spoken before at this point. So I'm like 60 minutes, like I'm going to charge her $500. Like, man, I'm going to charge her $500. Like that is my, that's going to be my rate because that's like $500 an hour. Like, you know, I don't have a law degree and I can get paid $500 an hour. So I'm thinking in my head, like, I'm going to tell her a little bit more than that so that, um, you know, she wants to negotiate, like I'll have some wiggle room, but $500 is like my, where I'm aiming for. So we're on the phone and she's just kind of like, you know, well, what is your, what do you charge? So one thing that I know that Marsha is going to talk a little bit more about pricing. Um, but one of the things that I always tell my clients, especially folks who are interested in speaking is that you never want to give your price first. Um, because especially Mm. us women, and my mm-hmm. community is primarily women of color. We tend to undervalue our work. And so we will give somebody a price that's half of what they have in their budget and think that right. that is, you know, think that that is the over the moon. Like, I can't believe somebody will pay me this. Um, and right. case in point, she asked me, what was my budget? And I was like, well, you know, I'm really excited about this. Um, and I really want to work with y'all. So you tell me what your budget is and we'll figure out, we'll, we'll make it work. And she was like, well, we don't have that much of a budget. Mm. Our speakers honorarium is $1,500. So I was like, and she was like, plus we'll fly you out here and, and pay for your hotel. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think we can make that work. Like that's about (laughs) what my fee is. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here on the phone like, did she really just tell me she was about to fly me someplace, put me up in a hotel, and then pay me $1,500 to talk for an hour? Okay. Mm. This speaking thing just got real. But I I love this advice that you're giving about um, allowing them to uh, kind of name what their budget is. Um, I, I think that's incredibly important, especially for entrepreneurs who are just starting out or speakers who are just starting out and aren't really clear what the market value is of their work and not know, and also don't know what the budget is of the institution that they're working with, you know. I mean, and there's a chance it may go the other way, but I, you know, you're right. Typically for women of color, I think we undervalue ourselves. And especially when you're starting out in the field and you're not really sure what the budgets look like, um, it's really easy to kind of be way off the mark around what you should be charging. It's so real. You know, this is something that I know that I I personally have dealt with time and time again. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was working with my alma mater. I went to Duke undergrad and um, I was working with them to develop this curriculum. I was working with the Women's Center there to develop this curriculum around leadership um, and social justice. And it was like this whole like intense curriculum for like a semester long course. 
And so, you know, I was sitting up here thinking like, all right, you know, I had a number in my mind, like, here's how much I'm going to charge them. And I thought this number was crazy. I was like, they're totally not going to pay me this, but here's how much I'm going to tell them. So I get on the phone with the director of the Women's Center and she's asking me, well, Elsie, like how much, what are you thinking for the budget? And, um, you know, I told her the number that I had in mind and she was like, what? Oh yeah. Okay. We could definitely do that. Uh Uh-huh. Great. Yep. 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 And like (laughs) automatically I knew, okay, their budget was way more than what I just told them that I could Mm -hmm. work for. Um, but Mm -hmm. it was too late because I had already given her a number and I had already undervalued my work. Oh my God. I've been on on both sides of that conversation. Um, I've been the person on, on the side who's, who's trying to pitch their services and figure out what the number should be. And then I've also been the other person who's, who's had people pitching to me and it's either way. Um, it's, it's just so interesting to see it happen on both ends. And, you know, even as someone who's been on the other end and has consistently seen women kind of undervalue their work, I've totally seen, you know, someone kind of pitch a tenth of what was in my organization's budget. Yep. Um, Yep. 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 I've seen it. I've seen that too. And we totally just say, uh, yeah. And there's this part of me that wants to like go to the woman on the side and be like, Oh my God, we could pay you so much more. Like stop doing this to yourself. Um, and I, you know, having said that and having seen that, I still have that fear on the Mm -hmm. other end whenever I pitch my stuff. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely something that we've been taught in our culture around you don't want to ask too much. You don't want to take up too much space. You don't want to be seen as being greedy. Um, and it's there's a way in which that kind of gets in the way of us um, really stepping into our power and, and kind of claiming, you know, I don't, well, I don't believe in the idea of, of, of charging what you're worth because what you're worth is so much more than, than financial value. But it definitely gets in the way of you taking up your full space in the industry that you want to be successful in. Yeah, I I mean, I agree completely. And I think, you know, part of the reason why I really um, always encourage women to ask what somebody's budget is first is I just think it really evens the playing field and it it lets the other person know, you know, and then if, if the budget is something that's just way under what you normally charge, you can gracefully bow out and, and say to yourself, exactly. you know, I'm yep. sorry, I, I really can't do that to this budget, you know, or another, you know, pricing strategy around that is really thinking about, okay, if somebody says, okay, here's how much I have to pay you. The other thing you can do is like, well, you know what? I can't do X, Y, and Z, but I can do X and Y for that budget, you know, and let right. them make the choice right. that makes, that right. makes the most sense for them. And I don't know if you use this uh, as part of your pricing strategy, but there's also the, just the amount of preparation time, I imagine, that goes into preparing for a speaking gig. So even if you're saying, let's say you went with your initial price of $500 an hour, if you're doing research and you're doing the writing and you're doing whatever, um, that could be easily ten over 10 hours of work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the pay scale seems like it's $500 an hour, but it's really $50 an hour. And then you have to kind of say to yourself, does that accurately reflect what I want to be paid for this? No, it's a, it's a, that's a really, really great point. How do you negotiate with potential clients? So let's say you, you've gotten to the point where they've told you what their budget is and you feel like either it doesn't really work for you or, um, or you'd like them to kind of maybe pay a little bit more for whatever your, your process is. You mentioned that a little bit when you said, you know, sometimes I'll give them X and Y instead of X, Y, and Z. Um, but, 
Can you give us an example of, of what that negotiation process has looked like? Yeah, sure. That's a really that's a really um, excellent question in terms of thinking about negotiation. And there's actually some really great advice I got from a fellow entrepreneur. Um, and this is something that's really guided my pricing strategy and especially my negotiation strategy. Um, and she said, you need to know going into a negotiation what your resentment number is. And that's the number mm. where if you end up saying yes to this and having to do this work, you are going to resent the client and you're going to resent the project the entire time you're doing it because you're not going to feel like you're getting paid enough. And she's like, there is a number. And I feel like for most entrepreneurs, we have compromised on that number before. I know that I personally have where... Mm -hmm. You know, I told a client or a client has said, okay, well, I can only pay this much or, or I pitched a client something and, you know, they were waffling. So I was like, okay, well, I can do it for this much. And then totally ended up resenting them, hating the project, you know, always felt so overworked, like they were asking for so much. And ultimately, yes, they had asked for that, but it was my fault for not standing up for myself and not saying, you know, I can't do it for that project, for that amount. So I think the first thing is to go into it having that resentment number. Even when I was completely undervaluing myself with that first speaking opportunity, I knew I wasn't going to do it for under 500. I was like, I'm not going to do it for under 500. That in my mind, I was like, I, I have to have, that was my threshold. And if, mm -hmm. you know, they had said, we don't have that, you know, I may, I wouldn't have done it. And I mm. think like, that's a very real thing that you have to have in the back of your mind is knowing, I love what you said about, you know, this idea of not being paid what you're worth because you're worth so much more than monetary, um, but really being compensated, you know, as fully as you feel like you deserve. And that doesn't mean that you can never work for less than market rate. Sometimes I work with organizations that literally don't have the budget. They don't have the money. They they mm -hmm. just don't. You know, I work because of the constituency that I work with, you know, women of color, especially like young women of color, urban youth, there are organizations that cannot pay me my speaker's fee. And yes, I will still go speak for them. You know, I think it is about knowing where you are going to be fed in this project. For those organizations, they yeah. can't pay me monetarily, but I get something from that. I get something mm -hmm. spiritually from doing that work. So I still feel like I'm getting filled up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there are other projects where I'm like, this is for the money. I'm not going to lie to you. I do mainly passion-based work. There are projects that I do, I'm like, I'm doing this for the money. Like, that's really right. the only reason why I'm doing this. Um, right. And with those people, I charge them. I was about to use some crude language, but let me, uh, you know, keep it classy <laughs> out here. But, you know, for those people, like, I will charge them. Um, and if they can't pay, I'm like, well, then that was really the only redeeming value of this project. So, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So yeah. that would be one strategy is definitely know what your number is. Know what you are willing to do it for. Um, and then the second piece of that strategy is is what I said earlier, which is trying to get them to give you their budget for the project. So getting an idea of kind of what their budget is for the project. And what I like to do is if the budget feels very, and I mean, you really have to, it's touch and go in negotiation. You have to kind of trust your gut a little bit. There's not one script that works, but right. how the conversation will typically go 
is that I'll be talking to a client. If I'm talking to a coaching client, I have my fees laid out very clearly. Um, and so it, there's really not a lot to discuss unless they want something custom. Um, when I'm talking to speaking clients, a lot of times like I'm creating or they're telling me what they want. Um, and so I'm kind of like, come like, really thinking in the moment about how much I'm going to charge them. I have a fee that I tend to charge, but it also varies. A, a small nonprofit with no budget probably will charge them less than a huge corporation that wants me to come in and do a training for their employees. So we'll talk a little bit. I'll be like, okay, share with me about what, um, what you're looking for, you know? So they'll talk to me about what they're looking for. And then what I like to do is I really like to reflect back what it is they said. So if somebody says, you know, we want this program for like our female leaders and here's the stuff that's going on on campus. And here's why we think it's necessary. I like to really take what they just said and wrap that around my work. So I like to say, wow, I really love that you shared that with me. Like what I'm hearing is that this is what's going on on your campus. Um, and really, reflect back to them what they just said um, and then mm -hmm. share with them like how my work is really relevant and what I think I can do for them. Once I get them to the point where they're excited about the possibilities, then I'll, I'll talk to them about budget. I'll be like, okay, well, um, you know, what is, what is the budget that you have for this event? Um, and once they share kind of what their budget is, I'll share with them where I am you know, in terms of my number. So when they share that mm -hmm. budget, the first thing that comes to your mind, is it higher than my resentment number? If the number is no, if the answer is no, let it go. If the answer is yes, but it's still not where you want it to be. What I do sometimes is if somebody tells me their budget is 1500, you know, I'll tell them that I was thinking 2000 and I'll mm. negotiate, you know, okay, well, 1500, well, my usual rate is around 2000, or I was kind of thinking 2000, 2500. But what I might be able to do um, is really work within that budget, but then maybe include travel and lodging. And so anytime somebody tells me what their budget is, I always tell them I was thinking like $500 above that. And then I try to negotiate mm -hmm. myself in like some additional perks or take a little bit off what it is they want me to do. Because trust and believe, there's always more money. So if yeah. that's their budget and they really, really want you, there's more where that is coming from. And oftentimes we get so excited about a number, but if that's the number, the first number they gave you, that's not even what you're worth. That's not even what right. you're worth. That's, that's them saying like, oh, if I could get you for this price, that would be a steal. <laughs> right, right, right. Because I think most of these institutions are are expecting that there's going to be some form of negotiation. I, I exactly. Mean, I think for, Maybe for public institutions that only have like a set fee, that may be a little bit different, um, you know, because maybe they have some more federal legal state guidelines. But, you know, most institutions are thinking there, there is some, there's, there's always a conversation to be had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't be afraid to have that conversation. So how do you, um, how do you determine your, your speaking topic, right? I mean, you said that part of your negotiation is really, um, wrapping a, uh, kind of hearing what the needs of the institution are and kind of wrapping um, your expertise around that. Um, but how do you how do you even figure out like okay well what are the places where I'm I'm willing to be a speaker? Well, it's interesting. So um, in terms of thinking about my topics, um, 
I actually have a list of topics that I came up with when I was first getting into speaking, my speaker topics, um, like little blurbs and all of that good stuff that you're supposed to create. But what's funny is I've never given any of those talks before um, because every time somebody mm-hmm. comes to me, I always end up creating something a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. I do not think that my way is the most efficient way. I think it actually makes sense to create some speaker topics that you can pre-develop um, and then you don't have to to start from the ground up every single time you have a speaking engagement because you have things that you've already developed and all you need to do is customize them for the particular audience um, that you're speaking to. But when you really are trying to think about how do you come up with a really great um, how do you come up with a really great uh, speaking topic? The first thing that I would say is that a really great topic is a marriage between your expertise and the needs of the audience. And when I say the needs of the audience, I don't mean in like an abstract, like, oh, like they need to be inspired, like they need to be uplifted. Yes, sometimes that may be your goal if the talk is purely motivational, but typically the audience um, being able to think through like two or three tangible takeaways that an audience would have after listening to your talk um, is a really powerful way to make sure that you are using your expertise to actually serve the audience. Because sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, people just want to learn about the stuff that I that I talk about just for the sake of learning about it. When the reality is mm-hmm. people want to learn about it to make it applicable in their day-to-day lives. So like, mm-hmm. let's say that you are a self-love expert. You know, sometimes it can be easy to be like, well, I'm just going to go talk about self-love. Like people want to just learn about self-love because self-love is good for them. But when you really think about what somebody's needs are, you know, maybe they want to learn about it so that they can, you know, have more courage in relationships. Maybe they want to learn about self-love so that they can, you know, feel more confident in their, in the clothes that they're wearing. You know, those are two different audiences. So like, if you took the same message, you know, you could take self-love and you could go to several different audiences and have very different talks because you're using your knowledge of self-love to help them achieve something that's important to them. And that's really mm-hmm. where it comes down to creating a really great topic is really thinking about what are the goals of the audience? How can I use my expertise to help them achieve their goals? Um, and then once you have that, then you're on the right track to creating a really great um, topic or workshop um, because those really are the two kind of most important things. Right. So how do you um, determine what those goals are? Are those things that you, um, right now it sounds like with your process, that comes up out of the, the negotiation process with the institution that wants you to speak? Exactly. So there are two different ways to get speaking engagement. Sometimes um, people come to you and sometimes you have to go to people. So I've had to do both um, over time in my speaking career. Um, In the times where I had to go to people, um, one of the things that you really want to do is you want to make sure you do research. You want to research the organization that you're or the event that you want to speak at. You want to understand who their audience is and what they care about. And if you don't know that, go on the website, like understand like what their people struggle with. Look at past events and past speakers and what have other topics been so that you really have an idea of what it is that they're looking for. So when you're coming up with that topic, again, 
when you really want to do your research. That's one of the most important things you can do is to really research your audience and make sure um, that you are really on point in terms of understanding what it is that they want. That's going to help you come up with a really great topic to pitch to an event organizer um, or somebody at that organization. Now, in the case where somebody comes to you, uh, like you said, that part of the process really looks like um, you know, somebody kind of coming to me and sharing with me what they hope their students will get out of it, what the event is about, who their audience is. And in those conversations, it still is up to you to make sure you're get, gathering the right type of information. So you may not be doing it uh, via looking at their website, but you still need to make sure you're asking the right questions. So some of those questions include, who is your audience? What are the main things they're struggling with? What are your goals as an event organizer um, for this event? Uh, how long has this event been going on? Is there anything else I need to know about this event? Um, you know, so really thinking about, okay, what are some popular um, talks that have have happened in the past? What's the best format for your audience? So those are some of the questions that you want to be thinking about, because if you can get answers to those, then you can really come up with something that is going to wow both the, the organizer um, as well as the audience. Those are some really, really awesome questions, Elsie. Thanks so much for, for sharing that. Um, yeah, of course. Really, really juicy ways to, to really pull out what your topic should be and how to make sure you're you're really bringing the most value to your clients. Yeah, um, it definitely is. You know, it's 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 really about um, being prepared. And the thing that I will say to any you know first time speaker is that that first call that you have with somebody, if you are hopping on the phone or you tell somebody, "Look, I want to do this talk," and blah 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 blah. And, you know, you get, they say, okay, sure, call me and tell me more. Um, or somebody calls you and say, hey, we want to have you. Um, one of the things that I will say is that never plan to finalize anything on that phone call. Always give mm. yourself time to mm. get off the call Think about what your next steps are going to be, how you want to respond to the ideas that were presented, how you want to present your own ideas. And sometimes I do that as well. Somebody's like, oh, you know, what, what is your, um, you know, we don't, if we don't end up talking about budget during a call, oftentimes like that's okay with me because I'll sit down and after every conversation I have, I write up a proposal, which I have like a proposal template that I use. Um, and I write up that proposal and I send it to them. And that includes like their investment um, and what it, what the investment um, includes. And so I say that to say that oftentimes we feel hurried or rushed or like we have to give an answer. Like if somebody's like, okay, you know what? Uh, of course, if somebody asks you a direct question, well, what's your rate? You know, you want to be able to have a conversation. But if somebody's like, okay, so what do you think? Are you going to do it? You know, you can say, well, this has been such a great conversation. I'm super excited about everything that you've told me. I'd love um, a day or two to really sit down and think about what this could look like and then get back with you uh, about like, you know, what it might look like for us to work together and make this happen, you know, and mm. give yourself that extra time and space mm -hmm. and say, look, I'd love to take a couple of days and really just think about, you know, what this partnership could look like. And I'll follow up with you by such and such a time. Um, and I can't wait to continue this conversation. Sounds, wow, that's great. 
I love that idea of like really making sure that you're pacing yourself through that process too. Because it sounds like not only does that give you time to kind of think about the financial piece, but also to to present your best work and to present your um, you know, you, and to just bring your best self to the table. Exactly. Exactly. And it gives you the confidence that you need to really, like you said, bring your best self to the table. Um, make sure that you're presenting yourself accurately um, and make sure that you have time to really think about stuff so that you don't make a decision in a hurry that you ultimately regret. So what are some, some, what are some of the decisions someone could make that they would ultimately regret? You mentioned a little bit about the resentment number. Um, are there any other things that someone should keep in mind as they're negotiating a speaking gig? I mean, I think definitely. So that's actually a really great question. So some of the main things that the main things that go into planning for a speaking gig or pricing a speaking gig and Marcia, you already kind of started to talk about this in terms of thinking about the work that goes into it. So some of the Mm -hmm. various components that affect the price, um, for instance, are how long is the actual event? Because Mm -hmm. a 60 minute, like you may say, like, I could do two hours, you know, you're rushed, you're thinking about it. Yeah, they give you a price. You're like, yeah, great. I could do a three hour training. Then you get back and you're like, wow, I really should have said 60 minutes. How did this happen to me? Um, And so (laughs) thinking about um, thinking about the the time of the actual event, thinking about whether or not travel is included. If travel is not included, you need to realize that's going to come out of your check. Um, And so you Mm -hmm. might want to bump up, you know, that payment some thinking about any additional materials you need to create. So if this is a workshop that requires like, you know, a workbook or a worksheet or something else that comes of it in addition to, you know, uh, the presentation or whatever it is that you're doing, thinking about that. Um, What else are other things that might come into it? You know, thinking about how large of an event it is. You know, you may Mm -hmm. say, oh, yeah, I'm fine with whatever you guys do. But in your mind, you're planning for 25 and they're planning for 50 people. Um, And that could throw off, you know, the whole balance of of what you had planned. So those are all things. It's really thinking about, like, the logistics and how the event will actually play out. How long is it going to be? Is it a presentation? Is it in presentation form? Do you need to create any additional materials for the attendees? Is there any, like, you know, follow-up? Up that you need to do? Is there any like pre-work that they need to do? Um, how mm-hmm. large will the group be? These are all things that you need to think about um, that you can put into a proposal that is not going to be on a fly. Things that you can agree about um, ahead of time so that you're truly comfortable and excited about the work and not at any point feeling like you're being taken advantage of. So what advice would you give to women who are launching their own speaking careers? Um, I know yours was kind of um, launch like just a I don't I don't want to say haphazardly, but it was a wonderful <laughs> someone kind of you know you wouldn't be the first person here. who's called my journey haphazard. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like for for us entrepreneurs, um, it's it's always a lot more haphazard than people think it is, right? Right, I mean, it really is. You know, it's so you, true. you do all the plan, you do all the planning in the world, and the, and the universe has other plans, and God has other plans, and. It just it's it's always actually pretty haphazard. Um, exactly. But if you're someone if you're someone who who's who's hearing this and saying like, wow, I really want to get into speaking, what should they? Uh, what's one piece of advice you wish you you had known in the beginning? 
Um, I think don't wait until you're ready. Don't wait until you feel ready. Don't wait until you feel like an expert. One of the things that I often tell my clients and that I tell my friends and I tell my tribe is that if nothing else, you are an expert in your own story. Um, Mm. And there are lessons that you have learned in this life that can be turned into teachable moments for other people in this world. And so you know, oftentimes we feel like, oh, I'm not ready. I can't start. Like, who's going to hire me? I'm not an expert. But there are so many different ways to really think about credibility. And this is something that I do want to share. Because once again, I feel that as women, and as women of color in particular, Mm -hmm. our sense of knowledge and wisdom and self and credibility comes from a different space than what is often valued. So yes, there is very formal credibility and formal credibility looks like, you know, you may have a degree in something, you may have a certificate, you may have worked in a field for a very long time. Those are all things that you can put on a resume that allows you to have formal credibility within your space. But there's also something that I like to think of as that informal credibility. And that is what Mm -hmm. have you overcome? What have you Mm -hmm. achieved in your life that people thought that you could not achieve? And how did you get there? You know, Mm -hmm. that informal uh, credibility is, you know, those life experiences, those hard earned lessons that you have, those are things that you can use to create teachable moments for, um, for others. And if you're Mm. thinking about yourself and thinking about whether you're ready and thinking about how, well, Elsie, like you're already doing this and you're already doing that. Look in our journey, At all times, we are teachers and we are students. So you may be, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at me and saying, oh, Elsie, I'm trying to be where you're trying to be, you know, but I'm looking at the next person saying, I'm trying to be where they're trying to be. So it's like, whereas I may be looking at somebody and saying, wow, you know, I really admire her and I want to get there. I have to recognize there are people looking at me and saying the same thing. And so you may look at your journey and say, oh, but I still have such a long way to go. But girl, you have a long way that you've come. And there are some Mm -hmm. people that are still standing way back where you started and they need you Mm -hmm. to help them get to where you are right now. So don't wait on it because you are ready right now. You have things to share right now. So if there's one piece of advice I would give, it would be to get out there um, and get started. And I actually have... um, a free, you know, speaking training that I did, a speaking webinar. Um, and if you go to yesshespeaks.com, you can get access to that. Um, and it's all about really just how to get your first speaking gig, how to get the courage, um, and what that looks like. So, you know, go check that out if you want. But whether you look at that or not, just know that you have everything that you need right now to get out there and start sharing your story. And I hope that you will do so. Oh, my gosh. Elsie, that was so inspiring. And I'm sitting here just just nodding my head and having kind of an amen moment around that. Because, (laughs) um, you know, one, in parentheses, we'll definitely have a link to that that webinar um, on the show notes. And, two, I think what you're saying is, is, um, you know, I think women of color, we have the knowledge that you were saying that we have um, and thinking about our history in this world. We just have a more community-based, knowledge and wisdom and for generations we've been passing on wisdom in an oral tradition that you know seems like it's informal or written tradition as well seems like it's informal 
Um, but really what it is is it's kind of more community-based idea of, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sharing wisdom and sharing knowledge and the idea that there isn't just one gatekeeper. Um, Absolutely. And, we're, and we've been trained in this, like, academic world to think, oh, well, I can't, I don't have expertise until someone ahead of me tells me I have expertise. And so someone, like, gives me that degree until someone opens that door until someone else is, is telling me that I'm enough. And what I love so much about what you're saying is it's a self-empowering process. If you can acknowledge and feel, add add the weight to your own story that it deserves, then you can empower yourself to to step into these spaces and you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you that you're enough. And I just just love the idea of, of women and all of us empowering ourselves to share our story in that way. Well, hopefully we'll get some uh, new speakers taking the stage because it's definitely my mission to really get uh, more women of color out there taking the stage, sharing their stories and being compensated really for their knowledge, their truth and and what that looks like. Because one of the things I will say is that I have been on so many stages in the last, you know, um, in the last year and you know, so often I'm the only woman of color there. And I know there needs to be more of us out there. So I really hope that some folks who are listening will take that to heart um, and really believe that they are ready to get out there and, and, uh, you know, share their their truth in a powerful way. Great. Thank you so much. So where can people find you um, other than the, the webinar? Where do you live online? Um, you can find me at blackmarriedandhustling.com. You can also find me at lcjohnson.me um, and either of those places. At lcjohnson.me, you can uh, get kind of a view of all of my various projects and the various uh, you know places that I frequent online. So either of those works great in terms of uh, tracking me down. That sounds awesome. And listeners, we're definitely going to have um, access or those links available in the show notes as well. You can just look at that, quickly click, and uh, follow Elsie. So she's, uh, no matter what she does, it's always amazing. So thanks so much for, for showing up today and, and giving us all this wonderful advice. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This episode of the Black Female Leaders Podcast is the last one before we go on break for the holiday season. But you can catch up on past episodes by subscribing on iTunes or on SoundCloud. We'll be back in January with new episodes from women who are inspiring and leading in amazing ways. In the meantime, keep being your amazing self. Thanks for listening to the Black Female Leaders Podcast. Be sure to support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can find links to all the resources mentioned in this podcast by taking a look at the episode description. 